As we approach the end of 2019, and we are now on the eve of 2020 and a whole new decade, I've been really sitting with the significance of that these last few weeks, all that it represents, what we're stepping into, a new decade, a new year, a new season. Um, I, I know I personally have felt greatly, I've been praying into it, I'll be preaching about it in a couple of weeks here, um, that, that 2020 is to be the year of harvest for us as a church. I'm believing for more people to find hope and freedom, salvation in Jesus than ever before next year, not just Harvest for us collectively as a church. Harvest for you individually, you know, you, your household, your family. And also 2020 has sort of long been looked forward to for us as a church. Um, you know, Andy and I visited in 2009, uh, heard the call of God, the confirmation really that we were called to move here and, and plant what today is Liberty Church. And we moved in 2010, and the, I remember distinctly the day in our suburban home in Sydney that I realised that the year would be 2010 when we moved, and I thought, man, our 10th birthday of living in New York will be the year 2020. And as soon as I had that thought, it dropped in my spirit, 2020 vision, which of course normally ref refers to your eyesight, but for us, that phrase, 2020 vision, which is sort of coming to its conclusion now, was this 10-year vision, a 10-year plan, like a really you know, the big, hairy, audacious goal, as they say, you know, the, the crazy plan that by the grace of God, we could believe to impact 10 communities in 10 years by the year 2020. And uh, here we are now stepping into that sort of 10 year anniversary. This coming spring, it'll be 10 years since Andy and I moved to New York City. And, and just about seven months later, we launched what today is Liberty Church. In fact, we launched what is today, we began with this very community, Liberty Church downtown. January 2011, I think it was the coldest day that winter. In fact, I think we got a photo of Launch Sunday, maybe a few of them. That was the day that we launched just blocks from here in what was at the time the Tribeca Cinemas, where De Niro and Co. had started the Tribeca fi um, uh, Film Festival back in the day. That was our first service right there. <laughs> Pretty amazing. We were just pumped people came. That, just slow it down for a second. That right there is my son, Jesse, <laughs> who today is 12 and in middle school and beginning to think about high school. What in the world? Okay, the next photo. Just a little trip down memory lane. There's Andy with Finley. What in the world? Who is like a young woman today in, in junior high. And I think we've got one more from that that same period, Ezekiel, today 14, who studies basically next door here in Manhattan at an amazing high school in the heart of the financial district. There's us at the top of the rock looking over that city in that same period. And I just can't help but think, look what the Lord has done in those years since. So this coming January, just weeks from now, what we call Vision Sunday, which is basically the happy birthday service of our whole church, but also specifically of this community, Liberty Church downtown, we'll be celebrating all God has done in those nine years since we officially launched as a church. Thinking about all that God has done, all the communities, Liberty communities that have been planted since, literally around the world from London to San Francisco, Florida, Africa, and more to come. And thinking about new communities that have been planted and five couples that have gone out to plant so far between them, I think it's 12, 13 new churches 
in cities from, you know, LA to Sydney, uh, shortly Costa Rica. Like, look what the Lord has done. Like far exceeded all that we could have ever imagined because it was never about empire building. It was never about some kind of a franchise of Liberty Church. It was about extending His kingdom, amen. And every one of those new churches, whatever name is over the door, the real name is the name of Jesus. That's being exalted across the earth, amen. And He's done far more than we could ever have hoped or imagined. So as we approach your ninth birthday, a lot's changed. Even the city around us, I've seen changes, many of them for good. You know, our community continues to change. Our leadership team continues to grow and to change. I discovered recently my accent has changed. I stumbled across a recording of the very first message that I preached in our church. I thought I sounded a lot more Australian nine years ago than I do today. Unfortunately, I'm in no man's land now because I sound Australian to Americans and American to Australians. So I don't know what that makes me. I'm basically a mutt, people. So pray for me. But a lot hasn't changed, right? A lot hasn't changed in those nine years. The core vision, the heart of our church hasn't changed. I think the vision's clearer than it's ever been, but our mandate, our vision, our passion hasn't changed. You know, Andy and I, our heart, our answering of this call, if anything, we've doubled down, we've re-upped, we're more passionate than we've ever been. Not only for New York City, for the nations, for the generations and for our calling to Liberty Church. We've been in this series in recent weeks that we simply called Joy to the World. Kind of over the last four weeks, really what, what we would call the Advent season leading up to Christmas, we call it Joy to the World this month. Obviously, you know, reminiscent of the famous carol that we know and love and the titles of our messages in recent weeks have been drawn for it, from it. And though Christmas is over and we're hanging on to our Christmas tree though, at least a few weeks more, it's so beautiful, right? <laughs> but there's one more message I think to preach in this series and it's one more title from the song. And so as we close out 2019, I just want to preach this morning in the time that I have on the subject of repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. See, regardless of whether 2019 has been a year for you of triumph and success and breakthrough and highlight moments, and you're perhaps feeling like you can close out 2019 as one for the history book, so much to be joyful and thankful for, or whether honestly the best part of 2019 will be at ticking over <laughs> and being able to put it behind you. And let's, let's be honest, we all have those years that are full of just difficulty and setback or disappointment and maybe more marked by hardship than by the breakthrough. You know, what's true is that we can choose regardless of our circumstances to step into a new year with gratitude, with joy, with honour to our Heavenly Father. And um, joy is something more than happiness that so often is fickle and defined by our circumstances. In fact, Kay Warren, she said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. God is in control. God is turning things around. God is worthy of praise, to paraphrase what Kay Warren said. And so that's why I think it's appropriate uh, to close out. It feels significant to me, this last message of 2019. Repeat the sounding joy. How do we cultivate as we close this year and enter a new one? I think how we end a season is significant 
in many times in how we set up the next one. How are we going to close out 2019 in praise and thanksgiving? We chose as the key text for today, Psalm 95. And I just want to read it. It's not a long psalm. Psalm 95, it'll be on the screens if you want to follow along. In the NIV, it says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome. The great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amidst the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. I want to speak a little about joy today and remind us why it is that we can have joy. Why it is, even sometimes in spite of our circumstances, contrary to our apparent circumstances in the here and now, we can have joy. Joy worth repeating, a resounding repeatable kind of joy. Why is it that we can have this kind of joy? If you're taking notes this morning, the first thing I would say is this, is because number one, maybe this is the most important of all, is that God is good. We can have joy because God is good. And that is good news. God is good. God is good regardless of our circumstances. God is good. In fact, I just read the Psalm verse four of Psalm 47 said, the Lord Most High is awesome. The great King over all the earth. I want to remind my soul that as I close out this year, which for me is almost always a mixed bag. I had, Annie and I had pastor friends, Brad and Stella Reed, who lead the Dream Center, incredible people. And some of our first and fast friends here in New York, you know they're good friends, or they're gonna become good friends when they help you move into your apartment when you're new to the city. That's, that's true love right there, especially actually it was a heat wave. And the mayor at the time had advised everyone to stay indoors. And they brought their Dream Center interns in a van. They helped us move into our apartment. Thank God for friends like that. Amen. Still friends all these years later. I think we owe them a debt. That's why. Ah, not true. Ah, but the truth is we had them over just before Christmas. And they said, they said, how's the year been? And I said to them, you know, I always feel like that's a complicated question. <laughs> it's always multidimensional. It feels a little like a Dickens novel. The best of times, the worst of times, right? There's something about it. But regardless of all of that, do you know what I know is even more true than what I experienced this year is the Lord Most High is awesome. God is good. And I'm often struck, you know, we... we I think a lot of times, perhaps it's just my spiritual upbringing, but I was raised with a lot of awareness of the power of God, the majesty of God, and amen to all of that. But I think it was only many years later I started to understand the goodness of God and the kindness of God. God's not only all-powerful, all-knowing and everywhere, but He's good, and that's really good news. Because if I have an idea that God is all-knowing, all-powerful everywhere, but in some way not good, kind of mean, kind of 
a bad boss. You know what I mean? Kind of an angry, absent father who swings in and does nice things for me on occasion, but on the balance of things is unhappy with me. Then my relationship with God and frankly with life and in answering the call of God is changed. I'm struck by the the kindness of God. We had moments just to see the kindness of God in 2019. One of my kind of keepsake moments will be the moment that one of our kids this summer, while we were on sabbatical, we took two months off as a family and what a gift that was as we approached 10 years in the city. And one of our kids made a very conscious six months thought about and prayed through, talked about decision to follow Jesus, counted the cost. Like that is, that's the kindness of God. I don't know about you. I mean, I, to me, I mean, I, I want to see the kingdom advance. I want to see churches planted, but, but I want my own kids to follow Jesus. I want my own kids to know Jesus. In fact, we used to say often in the early days as we built the church, and I think sometimes, frankly, disappointed people a little because, because we were going to focus on our family as well as on the kingdom. We used to say to people that we refused for our testimony in as much as it's up to us. We refused for our testimony to be, they built a great church, but lost their kids. Now they're, got a free will of their own. They've got choices that they're gonna make and I can't control those choices. But in as much as it's up to me, we've decided from the beginning that we would live in such a way as to try and model for our kids the heart of the Father. And that was the kindness of God for me. You couldn't have given me a better gift than one of my kids deciding in their own way to follow Jesus. James 1.17 reminds us, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. There's two important revelations in that one verse. Let's leave it up for a moment. One is, let's remember where good things come from. Because He is good, He does good. Because He is good, He gives good things. In fact, every good thing, the Scripture says here, every good and perfect gift comes from one source, our good God. I want to remember Him, be thankful to Him, give Him honour and praise. But it also, it also reminds us some, a second powerful thing. It says, who does not change? So not only is He good and does He do good in our lives, but He, he doesn't change, which means He's not good sometimes and not other times. His goodness is not dependent on your season. His goodness, frankly, is not dependent on your behaviour or your choices. He just is good. He doesn't change. He is faithful. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. He is good. And that's good news. So we can place our faith, our confidence. We can build our joy on a sure foundation, which is the character of a God who loves us. Amen. Number two is that God is in control. Not only... Do we have joy because God is good? But come on, we have joy because God is in control. Verse 8 of Psalm 47 said, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. It's kind of like a Christian throwaway line, but, but from time to time when things are bad, Christians will often say, well, God's still on the throne. And what we mean by that is kind of what the psalmist is getting at here, which is, hey, you know, nobody took Him out. God is not defeated. We read the end of the book and we know what happens, right? So yeah, there are trials and tribulations. There are ups and downs. We might lose some battles, but we'll never lose the war. God is in control. So there's a piece that I experience. I don't know, look, 
I guess I can only speak from my life experience, but my personality type, I'm kind of more of a planner. I like the delusion that I'm in control. I, I, I like that a lot. And I feel like life plus 21st century plus particularly living in New York City continually robs me of any delusion that I am in control, amen? And I think that should be fine. If I build my life on a foundation that in fact, God is in control and I'm not, there's peace in that. To know that the almighty, all-powerful, everlasting God of the universe who is for me is in control. Charles Spurgeon, many years ago, he said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. Isn't that beautiful? It's the pillow on which you lay your head. In other words, it can give you peace to sleep at night rather than toss and turn and wrestle with how you are gonna fix it. You are gonna work it all out. Of course, we've got to do our part, partner with God. This isn't about apathy or being idle, but to recognise when it all comes down to it, God is the one who's in control. Second Chronicles 20 verse six said, Lord, the God of our ancestors are you, not the God who's in heaven, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. So we can rest in that, in the knowledge that in the uncertainty of life or the heartache of humanity, that God is still sovereign. And we can remember that although God is not the source of everything going on around me, I mean, we live in a fallen world. Sin broke things. Yet the reality is, is, despite all of that, God is in control and eternally, eternally working for our good. I forget who it was, but I heard a preacher say recently, if it's not finished, sorry, if it's not good, He's not finished. That's a good thought. If it's not good, He's not finished because He is turning all things around for our good. In fact, it says in Romans 8, 28, says, we know that in all things, listen, God works for what? The good. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. He's working for our good. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Number three, as God causes us to overcome, I can have joy because He's good. I can have joy because He's in control. I can have joy because God causes us to overcome. Psalm 47 verse three said, He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. You see, a big part of the story of the children of Israel was that they weren't a people. They were in slavery. They you know, they were in Egypt, they were oppressed and God promised them a place, but there were obstacles and giants and armies and walled cities and all kinds of things that stood between them and the promises and purposes of God. And yet God, in spite of all the obstacles, delivered them and gave them dominion, gave them a place. You know, I think for us thousands of years later, the relevance of that is what Jesus did for us on the cross. But we don't war against flesh and blood. This isn't about other people. Our enemy in the most ultimate sense is not somebody you don't like at work or a neighbour giving you a hard time, amen? No, it's about spiritual things, principalities and the dominion, the, the power, the authority that Jesus has won for us, that we would be sons and daughters, princes and princesses, if you like, in the kingdom 
of God, that we can experience victory. God causes us to overcome. So we don't have to approach the problems of this life like some helpless, hopeless victim of our circumstances. No, we, we have a Father who loves us, who is for us and who empowers us. Got to remember the promises of God when we feel defeated. Remember the promises of God, like you are more than a conqueror. That you are the head and not the tail. That's part of the promise of Abraham. Above and not beneath. God is for you. And listen, if God is for you, the Bible says, who can be against you? This is good news, church. Come on. This is good news. As we end 2019, God is for you. Watchman Nee, he said it this way in a great book. He said, outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner, but in Christ, I am saved. Outside of Christ, I'm empty. In Christ, I am full. Outside of Christ, I am weak. In in Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. In Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated. In Christ, I am already victorious. How meaningful are the words in Christ. See, we have victory in Christ, provision in Christ, amen, answers and hope and breakthrough in Him. 1 John 5 verse 3 says, in fact, this is love for God to keep His commands and His commands are not burdensome. Listen, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. You know what this is also telling you here is it's not, it's not impossible. It's not impossible to walk in faithfulness and obedience to God because it's His power that enables you to do what? To overcome the world. It says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's victory in Jesus. Power. The old song, wonder-working power, amen? In the blood of the Lamb. That's what we have in Jesus. And fourthly, is that God loves us and calls us His own. Boy, there's joy in that. He's good. He's in control. He causes us to overcome. And this is, to me, really a mystery. He loves us. And He calls us His own. Verse four of Psalm 47, our text today said, he chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loved. It's a really important revelation from time to time to just sit with the fact that you are are loved. You are loved, loved. And like a father, He has chosen a good inheritance for you. That through faith in Jesus, we become children of God, inheritors of all good things, co-heirs, Paul writes in the the book of Romans, that we are co-heirs now with Christ. So we can rejoice because we belong to God. We can rejoice because Christ Himself shared an eternal inheritance with us. I think it's easier in the world that we live in for us to look at the natural things of this world and think, well, 
I mean, that's all well and good, but that's all just sort of spiritual. I'd rather be a trust fund baby. I'd rather win the lottery. You know what I mean? Like something I can touch and feel. That had changed my circumstances. Now we're talking, that's an inheritance. But the truth is, <laughs> if we have an eternal perspective, the inheritance that we have in Christ is a thousand times better, infinitely better actually, because it's eternal, it's not perishable. I remember when that song first came out, if you've been in church for some time, you might remember a song maybe a decade ago now or more, He Loves Us. Oh, how He loves us. I remember that song just wrecked Andy and I. I think at that stage in our faith journey, we didn't really have a revelation of that. He loves us. He loves us, like this reckless, abandoned kind of love, the love of a father. He doesn't just tolerate us. He's not just for us. He doesn't just see us as strategic assets, <laughs> but he just loves us. That was my big revelation on sabbatical. People came back with, what was your big revelation? I said, rest. And not the kind of rest where it's like rest in order to work, because that's a necessity, but just that God even delights in rest. That was a revelation for me. He loves us. So what does this joy cause us to do? Let me try and call us to some action. This joy should firstly cause us to respond with praise. We should respond with praise. The psalmist said in verse six, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. I wonder if we're practicing Thanksgiving. And I don't just mean the holiday, I mean the lifestyle. <laughs> Is Thanksgiving a way of life for us to look back regularly on all that He has done and give Him thanks, give Him praise, give Him the glory that is due His name? I wonder, you know, how often, you know, in our church, every service, we read out cards that people fill in before the service, prayer requests, needs that we're bringing as a family before God and praise reports, celebration of answered prayers. But I wonder how often, metaphorically speaking, I have been guilty in my walk with God of bringing the prayer requests, but failing to bring my praise reports, bringing Him my needs, my petitions, my requests, but failing to bring Him thanks and praise and glory, which does so many things that are damaging it, robs him of the glory that is rightly his, but it also robs others of the encouragement that would have come, that if he can do it for that guy, I bet he can do it for me too. If he could have breakthrough in his marriage or his spiritual life or get a healing in his body, I bet I could too. I, there's power in our praise. You know, when we do have Thanksgiving in our house, we have, we, we've long had the idea of like the thankful jar. Lately, we've turned it into like a little tree. And we have the little leaves hung on the tree and everybody writes down things that they're thankful for. It's powerful to stop. As a family, sit around our table. We had many guests join us this year. and That moment of thankfulness is powerful. Some years people have announced through those little leaves that they were pregnant with a miracle baby or that God had done some miracle in their life. Celebration around that table. I, I know a, a family much loved in this community, uh, Peter and Laura Randell and their kids who are now part of Liberty Church London moved over there. Beautiful story of faith that you'll hear about on, on Vision Sunday with their five kids. You know, PJ, one of their kids actually said at Thanksgiving, when they went around the table, the thing he said that he was thankful for this year was Liberty Church London. So thank you, God, 
for a spirit of thankfulness in us and in the generations. No wonder David wrote in a different place, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, one of the modern translations, in fact, both the Passion Translation and the Message Translation, when they translate that particular verse, use the phrase password. That the password is praise. It's almost a sense in which praise or thanksgiving are like a master key ushering us into the courts of God and the very presence of God. In fact, I've got it here, Psalm 100. I forgot I added this in. Verse four, listen. You can pass through His open gates with the password of praise. Come right into His presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to Him and affectionately bless His beautiful name. Let's remind ourselves who has done all of these miracles on our behalf. It's, it's spoken of in Deuteronomy 10, 21, where it says, He is the one you praise. He is your God who has performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. I'll give you one more. Is we can exalt Jesus above all. We bring praise And specifically, I believe, as followers of Jesus, we exalt Jesus. That word exalt in the Strong's Concordance, the original word there, allure, A-L-A-H, allure, means to go up, to ascend, to climb. Psalm 47, 9 said, The nobles of the nation assemble as the peoples of, of the God of Abraham for the kings of the earth belong to God and He is greatly exalted. He is lifted up. He has ascended above all. The songwriter Matt Redman said, we can always find a reason to praise. Situations change for better or worse, but God's worth never changes. I think that's a difficult lesson to learn because our humanity is inclined to mourn or perhaps pray out our petitions in hard times, but to praise when things are good. We celebrate, we bring thanks, and it's, it's natural, but there's actually something that runs through the thread of eternity, which is God is unchanging and always worthy of our praise. I remember a mentor in my life gave a very personal, very difficult example of this years ago, Darlene Czech, very famous, oh, Worship leader and songwriter um, from Hillsong spoke uh, some months after she had um, lost a pregnancy. She had a, had a miscarriage. It was very difficult. It had been a long expected and looked forward to pregnancy. And I think it's always difficult, but also her life is very public. And they'd only just announced her pregnancy and everyone was celebrating. And then this tragedy, which is tragic all on its own. And then all the layers that come with that as a public person and a person of faith. And I remember her sharing that on the drive home from the the hospital, as she wept, and this is her story, and this is is where the rubber hits the road with this stuff, is she's crying out to God and God says to her, bring me praise. And here she is driving home from like this horrific, mysterious, like how does, how does this, why do bad things happen to good people? Isn't that part of the mystery of all of this? Why? Why did this happen, God? God says to her, bring, her, bring me praise. So she just begins to praise Him. 
to adore him, to glorify him, and to declare him good in the middle of this tragedy and this hardship. And as she described it, she started to experience this supernatural healing and peace and calm when she just decided God is worthy of my praise even on what right now is maybe my worst day. He's worthy of praise. There's power in our testimony, power in our thanksgiving, power in our praise. In fact, Revelations 12 says that they overcame, speaking of the children of God, you and I, they overcame Him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. Now that speaks of Jesus, but it also says by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. There's power in your testimony, power in your story. There's power in your praise. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come join me because I want to take a moment in our service here to do exactly that. To give Him thanks, to give Him praise, to use our password, to enter His courts, come into His gates. Now the passage says that God is enthroned on the praises of His people. I've been thinking about this, that we can have joy regardless of the ups and downs of life when we find our joy in the character and the sovereignty of God and the victory and inheritance that we have in Him. Joy. Peace that passes all understanding. And I wonder if your sense of joy has been based more on circumstances than grounded in Christ. If it's time today for us to look again to Jesus and reclaim the joy in who He is, celebrate His victory, give Him thanks for our inheritance. We're gonna do just that in a moment. I think in our hearts and minds, it's like we build a memorial. In the Old Testament, there were a couple of key moments, breakthrough moments for the children of Israel, like when He brought them through the Red Sea. And when He brought them through the Jordan into the Promised Land, they built a memorial. Literally, each of the 12 tribes would choose a stone and build them there together as a physical reminder, a testimony to the generations many years later of the goodness and the faithfulness of God and what He'd done. So this is what I want to do. In a few moments, I want to pray for people to connect with their Saviour in a real and a personal way. But I'm not speaking right now of salvation. I'm really speaking to those of us in this place who we would call ourselves followers of Jesus, but it's important that we take a moment of memorial at the end of 2019, whatever it's brought, good and bad, and we express thankfulness. We express praise. In a moment, how are we going to do that is we're just going to stand. We're going to have a really a quiet moment, I guess, of reflection, but also response to, in our own way. Maybe you want to to speak out the name of Jesus. Maybe, maybe as we worship, as the team begin to play here in a moment, and, and in fact, the song that we're gonna reprise for a moment is significant. We sang it earlier in the service, Waymaker. And we're gonna declare, even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop working because He is Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are. I think it's important for us to end this year declaring that over what has been and what is yet to come in 2020, declaring that. We wanna take a few moments. In fact, why don't we all begin to stand around this place? 
And I wonder if you could in your own way, as the team begin to play, come on, let's really just begin to play and create an atmosphere of faith in here. I wonder if I could ask each of you here, maybe you wanna declare these words as you praise, but I also encourage you, let's look back on this year and declare, look what the Lord has done. Let's be thankful, grateful, look for the miracles, look for the signs, the goodness, the sovereignty of God. Look for those moments when He turns things around for our good because He is yet today, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That's who He is, unchanging from age to age. So come on church, in your own way, as we worship, as we sing, perhaps as you pray out your own quiet prayers, let's bring Him adoration and praise.